The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. This morning, and I, I just ordered this mat for my wife. She's a teacher. This is the first time I've preached from one. Now I know why she wants it. This is really comfy, so thanks for that. Uh, we're going to be in Proverbs. No surprise to you if you've been here for the summer. I hear you've been going through uh, the book of Proverbs, a worthy journey. Uh, Proverbs lay out the way of wisdom. It's rooted in deep respect and reverence for God uh, that leads, hopefully, to a flourishing life for those of its hearers. And I get the privilege this morning, and appropriately so, to, uh, to dig into Proverbs on the topic of, of friendships and, and being neighbors, being neighborly. Um, I appreciated the topic. I had no idea where it was going to take me. And the reason that I said it's going to be an interesting next 30 minutes is because you try to, when you, when you, when you speak, especially uh, when you, uh, in church and you're, you're bringing God's word, you want your, your heart and your head to travel together uh, to bring the best, uh, the best uh, uh, message. Um, I must admit that today my heart has gotten ahead of my head. Uh, because of this topic, it's kind of taken me by surprise, but hopefully it'll be beneficial uh, to us all. Uh, when we think of the topic of neighbors, um, where, does that, where does that take you in your thoughts? And, and I just thought, oh, that would be a fun topic to take. But the more I delved into it, and hopefully the more that we go on this morning and you think through it, um, there will be some very specific stories and maybe even emotions that, that come your way uh, as you think it through. Uh, for me, uh, when I think of neighbors, I think of neighborhood, I think of 1425 Sunset Drive, Columbus, Nebraska. Uh, it was a new subdivision in this town of about 15,000 in eastern Nebraska. And so such a new subdivision that my backyard was a cornfield, but there were about 30 homes on this J-shaped street, and we had over 40-some kids just in elementary school. It was a blast growing up. And just there's always someone to be able to do something with. But as I think through the neighbors, you know, each neighbor, there's a personality that comes with each one as I'm going back and thinking it through. And maybe now as you're thinking through where, where you grew up or even where you're at now and the neighbors uh, that are around you, you can just kind of, they're different personalities. There are just different things that come out. Uh, there's the stay off the lawn neighbor, uh, but uh, the, the neighbors that especially got my attention. Uh, was uh, Doc Nelson and his family, and then Don Holmberg, the, uh, the family that moved in after Doc. And what made them stand out was the way they treated all of those kids that were on the block. Uh, Doc Nelson was a chiropractor, and he had the first uh, basketball hoop in the driveway. Uh, so, it's, you know, now it's just kind of standard fare. It wasn't standard fare way back when. But, uh, but the first basketball hoop in the driveway, and he purposely uh, parked his car in the street and uh, let the basketball out and just let us kids uh, come alongside and play and enjoy that time together. Well, when they moved out, I go, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Are we going to lose our basketball court? Uh, but in came uh, Don Holmberg. Don Holmberg was the uh, vice principal of the middle school. So he not only uh, allowed us to keep playing basketball, but he would gather us all up on Saturday mornings, and he would take us to the middle school, open up the gym, and let us play. Obviously, for a, for a, a young kid that just wants to get out and play and have a good time, those neighbors and those actions stood out to me. I'm going to wind that up a little bit later, but let's go back to the text one more time and look it through. As you're thinking about neighbors and neighborhood, 
It says, verse 27 of chapter 3, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. That's the memory verse for us for this week. It's not that hard, but I think it'll do us all great if we would do it. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. For example, verse 28, Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you basically right now. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason. When he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. There are a lot of verses that I could have picked up. There are actually over a hundred verses uh, that I found in scripture that had to do with friendship and, 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 and being a neighbor. And let me read some of those to remind us. One you know very well, hopefully. This is James uh, in the New Testament. He writes, if you really want to fulfill the royal law, if you really know that you're doing well, it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For the whole law, Paul says in Galatians, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul also writes in Romans, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And then Paul also writes, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So when we think of neighborliness and being a neighbor and how we should treat others, go back to verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So we look at do not withhold good. Shouldn't need much explanation. Good is what is for our benefit. It is for that building up. Don't withhold anything that you have that could help another. Okay, to whom it is due. Well, that, we can play with that a little bit, but, uh, but we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love everyone. Of course, uh, we know that the story uh, in the Gospels about who is my neighbor and the story of the Samaritan and the Levite and the other Jews and who was the true neighbor, the one that was most different from the person that needed help was the one that came in to help. Who is my neighbor? It's the other person that we come in proximity with that needs what we have. Okay, so that's the person that is due. Why is it due to any person that we come across this good? We go back to Genesis 1. God created us in his own image. In that, we have worth. In that, we have value. God created us all, and it's his worth that he gave us. It's the fact that he loves us and wants our good, that he wants us to give good to each other as well, thus reflecting who God is to others. We are living out God's God's attitude and God's work towards others as we treat them the way we know God would want us to. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. And what I find that next phrase to be the most challenging, when it is in your power to do it. Power is an interesting word in our world, especially today, I think, or just maybe it's like that every day. It's just becoming more and more familiar to me. But, uh, but we think, well, I don't have anything that anyone can use. And we're thinking maybe more materially or, or, or whatever we have. But just think of the power that we do truly have. Uh, we'll, we'll play with this a little bit. Uh, one thing that just happened recently that showed me some of the dynamics of power was uh, t traveling internationally. So this past six months, I've traveled to Mexico City a couple of times, and I've traveled to Thailand. What I find there was, was very important for me to recognize 
when I got on the plane in America, here in the U.S., um, you know, sat down, everything's in English, I understood where we were to go, and, and uh, I understood what was happening. The closer I got to my destination, the language changed. Instead of leading with English and then going into whatever language they're going with, they, they, they led with that language, and maybe they remembered to bring in, in English. Uh, the people that were traveling around me, they started speaking to each other in English, but by the time we got there, they started speaking that language of wherever it was that we were landing. I went from feeling powerful and in control and knowing what was going on to being helpless and not really sure what was happening around me and needing someone to come alongside and help me. And then the reverse thing happened. I get on the plane, uh, let's just say in Mexico City again, and I'm still wondering, making sure, you know, I'm very careful about what's going on. By the time I land, I feel I'm back in control again. I've got the power. What that acknowledged to me is there are situations that we... I was just reminded that we're in situations that we're familiar with that we do have that power of understanding, that power of, we have that control and that ability then to do what? Hopefully to help those that aren't as in control or understand what's going on. And so it made me much more sensitive to those that were traveling into the States with me to be aware of what was going on and how I could step up and help. Power comes in very many different forms and, and fashions and to realize that we do have uh, more power uh, than we realize. Let me read a couple quotes that I found. You know, in, in what's going on in, in our world today, it's, it can be really confusing, and we're all trying to find ways to explain uh, what is happening. Uh, in the Twitterverse this last week, I uh, uh, came up with a, a quote here that I thought was appropriate, challenging to me and to others. He says, it's up to each of us. He says, we have to devote as much time to our kids as we do to social media and our own desires. Not just our own kids, but the neighbors and the odd kid down the street. And yes, I was that odd kid. I thank all the adults that took that extra minute. The power comes from Doc Nelson and Don Holmberg and whoever the adults were in his life that would step up and to, to give value, to give what's due as just a human being and as someone that's walking this, this world with someone else, whatever they can do to help them to be better and to build them up. That's what this guy is appealing to, to help us just take steps toward making our world, our neighborhoods better. And when we think of, uh, of doing good to whom it's due and the power that's available, my, my inclination is to think of, of material things and to think of, of just the grand things that I could give someone to, to set their life, uh, to help their life get better. But then I came across this other quote. This is from LinkedIn this morning. If you read some of the, the things that the, the quotes that LinkedIn gives you in the mornings, it says, when we think of acts of generosity, many of us focus on grand gestures. But those simple and small moves can help change other people's lives for the better. What an incredible power we have making somebody's day. We have the power with our words and with all kinds of small gestures, even somebody being really nice to someone in the checkout line. When we think of friendships, we think of neighborliness. <clears throat> we think of, want us to, to think of proximity. So again, when I first thought of neighbors, I went back to where I grew up and to those very specific neighbors. 
But, but neighbors, as we saw even from the Gospels in that story about the Samaritan and, and, and the Levites and, and, and the person that, that got robbed, is it's that neighborliness and friendship goes to proximity. And proximity is wherever we're at. It's our presence. And so you're, who you're sitting to now is in proximity to you. They're in your presence. They are your neighbor. They are the ones to whom you can do good, to whom someone is due if it's within your power to do it. And the small gestures can go any number of ways, from the smile to the acknowledgement to, to giving them the peace to, to whatever. Or it could be just taking the time to listen to the story that they have and hear or to observe uh, what, what you think might be going on in their life because of their, of, their, uh, of their demeanor and taking that time to come alongside. That's what I see uh, the, the, the writer of Proverbs here asking us to do. Do not withhold any good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, there are some things that we have power to do, and there are, some, there are limits to our power and how far we can go. Okay, so, you know, we, it's not to, that, that, that the way that, that Ed would, would come alongside someone and help them would, could, be, could be different than mine because he is, has more power in a particular area than I do. But to the degree that he has power to do it, you do that. To the degree that I do, I should do it. But here's, my, here, here's, a, here's a challenge that I have for us when it comes to power and to doing good is there's, is, uh, in the New Testament, there's a thing called uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And do you remember what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all good virtues. Those are all good that can be given to someone else. Someone within your proximity could be someone that you're just passing by once. It could be someone you pass by every day. Uh, but anyone that's within your proximity, that's some of the good that we're being challenged to give to whom it is due. That's to any other person that we come alongside that's been made in the image of God and deserves our respect and deserves uh, the best that we can give them. Now, I don't have the power to love and to, and, and to be patient and, and to have that self-control in and of myself to the degree that I know that person deserves. But that's where, that's where any of us who are believers that have the Holy Spirit residing within us, we have the power to be able to give love, to give joy, to give peace and patience, able to be able to give kindness. We can give goodness. We can give faithfulness. We can give gentleness and we can give self-control. So, you know, wherever you go from here, and whatever you wake up to tomorrow, you have the challenge of this verse and you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within you to be able to reflect God's character and God's nature to those around you in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, to be able to, to change the course of someone's life. Those, co those, those, uh, those neighbors, Doc Nelson, Don Holmberg, their families, that made those small gesture, gestures of just letting us play ball and just treating us like, like, well, like we were worthy of value and respect and not just pushing, pushing us off because we were just a snotty-nosed kids and there were so many of us in our neighborhood. But they took, the, they took the intentionality to do that. Why did they do that? I didn't know at the time, but I know now. They went 
to this church that I walked to every day when I went to elementary school and when I went to middle school. And it was called Highland Park Evangelical Free Church. I go, what a long, funny name that is. Uh, I grew up in another faith tradition, and that, 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 that name just sounded really funny to me. Now, if you don't know, who we work for is the Evangelical Free Church. Little did I know, but how did I get there? I got there because I knew that Doc Nelson and Don Holmberg and their families went to that church. And I liked, the, I liked who they were in the neighborhood, and I liked the fact that, uh, and, I, and, I, and I enjoyed their kids and getting to know them as they were classmates and we went through. And then there was another gentleman that came into my awareness. His name, his name was, was uh, <laughs> I'm saying his, son, his son's name. Uh, his name was, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> Dick Baps. Mike Baps is one of our church planters who worked with me in New Orleans, and now all I could think of was Mike. So Dick Baps' his dad was a, was, a, was, a, was a junior high math teacher that on his own dime uh, offered any who wanted to come after school to learn how to play tennis to come do that. And so there were about a dozen of us that went out, and we learned how to play tennis, and he was there during the fall every night, and so that's where I learned how to, how to enjoy that game of tennis, and that was going to be my ticket out of Nebraska. And so I've always appreciated that about, about Dick Babst. And then I got to high school thinking I was a Christian, thinking I was an athlete, went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Realized I was neither, but they were able to help me with the one. And the way they helped me with the one was the football coach, Jed Rood, uh, he was the one that, that started this FCA huddle group with Dick Babst and some of the other teachers in the, in the high school. And those teachers all went to that church with that long, funny name, Highland Park Evangelical Free Church. So over the course of all this time and these neighbors that went out of their way to intentionally do good to those to whom they thought it was due, okay, um, they changed the course of my life. When I went to, so Jed Rude, the football coach, cornered me in the bathroom in my senior year, asked me if I wanted to get full of joy because I had just lost the state tournament. He knew I was, I was uh, down in the dumps. And uh, he took the, the courage to just come alongside and say, hey, Glenn, did you want to get full of joy? That's all he said. I go, boy, I sure do. He goes, well, come to my house tonight. So I went to his house that night. His wife opened, you know, the doors to, to her home, and there were some others that were gathered there, and for 20 minutes gave a gospel presentation. And his spirit was speaking to my spirit about my need for Jesus and how I had placed all my hopes and dreams on the wrong thing. So I believed in Jesus that night. The sins were forgiven. And he said three other things. He said, he says, there's three things you need to know. God loves you enough to die for you. He knows you by name. He has a plan and purpose for your life that only you can fulfill. Now, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit was speaking to my spirit about those truths. But it was easy for me to hear that because I was hearing it from people that I knew were represented through the course of that time that were good neighbors. And I liked them and I trusted them and now I knew kind of what was going on behind the scenes. And so that night I came to Christ and then from that point on, those coaches and teachers came, along my, came alongside of me even more directly uh, to lead me in the, way of, uh, in the way of Christ and the way that he would want me to live. So when I read this verse, do not withhold good 
from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. I don't necessarily think of the grand gestures, though they're out there and some of us have benefited by those. But I'm thinking of those everyday gestures of just reflecting God's nature to those within our proximity who we see value in. Why do we see value in them? Because they were made by God. They're made in his image. They are part of our humankind that we are all working together to try to lift up. Now, Dick Baps, that coach I couldn't think of, that math teacher uh, whose name, uh, his son Mike uh, went through a real difficult time when he graduated from high school. And Mike was just in the depths of depression himself. And I was wondering what to, you know, and his dad, Dick, was wondering, what am I going to do to get him out? We are just starting our ministry in New Orleans. So I says, well, just send him down to us. Let him come alongside our ministry, just getting going. Uh, he loves recreation. That's kind of what we're doing. And so he came and, uh, and started to, uh, to, to, to live with us as our, in our family. So in a sense, the neighborless, that was within my power to be able to come alongside their family and to be able to give back what had been given. Uh, so often to me. So I titled this message just in my own mind, Neighborly Wisdom for Now and for Then. It's just good wisdom to get along with others now and to be able to do good to those to whom it is due. But it has a way of coming back. And so it's not only the the gestures are for today and what that might mean for someone, but we don't know what that's going to mean for then and how that comes to play uh, uh, further. So, verse 27 again, our memory verse for the week. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. For example, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Again, a power dynamic. There's power in being able to give something to someone that's wanting something. And, there, there's, and, 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 and that's not a good motive to be able to say, come back. Uh, come back later if you have the ability to do it now. Um, that, I would say, in even verse 31 is part of that, that uh, or uh, verse 29, the next one, is, uh, is, is evil, an evil thought there. But if you have it, give it. Verse 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Why would someone dwell trustingly beside you? Because we know that's the common neighborliness that you should be able to look out for someone that's within your proximity. Uh, so uh, do not plan evil. Do not take that advantage to, to run a shortcut, to, to uh, be able to be shady in your friendship, wanting something selfishly when really we're to act selflessly. Verse 30, do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. No reason from that one person's perspective for your reason, if you're selfish, your reason is you want to take advantage of him to be able to put to further yourself. But that's not any reason, of course, uh, to treat them that way. And verse 31, do not envy a man of violence. Do not choose any of his ways. So we see in verse 29, motives. Do not plan evil against your neighbor. In verse 30, what I see there is just, uh, I, have, I put EQ by it, emotional quotient. Why would I want to contend for someone for no reason? Well, it's because there's, lacking something, there's something lacking in me that I'm trying to fill up that it would even make me want to do something against someone else. So I need to mature in that area. And then do not envy, verse 31, do not envy a man of violence. Do not choose any of his way. What are my ambitions? 
that would make me want to, uh, uh, to, to want to have something that someone else has or to put something uh, over on them. So we see in verse 29, selfish. In verse 30, selfish. In verse 31, pride and envy. Uh, in verse 28, you know, again, we see selfishness or those power, that power dynamic come to play. In verse 27, what we see there is humility. What we see there is selflessness. What we see there is an acknowledgement that comes with maturity of knowing that if I can give something to someone else, that is not only reflecting what, what, what God would want me to give for them in the big picture, but I know that it could come back to me at some other time. And that's just the way we should treat one another. I'll leave us with this. It's a story that I wasn't planning on sharing, but it's one that I can't get over. And the thing that, that, that led me to this is that word choose. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. We have a choice. In Genesis, remember, God created man. He made him in his own image. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they lived in community with each other. And they loved each other. That was, that was the, 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 the prime ethic of the Godhead of God is love for one another. They so much enjoyed their love for one another and the community that they had in the Godhead that they, wanted to, that they created man so that they could, they could expose man and share that love with someone else. For true love to take place, you need to have choice. Choice comes and true love comes when there's true choice. Of course, we know Adam and Eve, they chose poorly. They chose self. And, uh, and so we, we see, that just, uh, uh, we see the, the effects of that coming today with, uh, with the sin and the selfishness, the rebellion and everything that's taken place. But their love didn't stop there. We were still worth, we were still worthwhile to God and, and had value to him. And so he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. His son came uh, died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a second choice and hopefully we could choose wiser this time. To be able to have choice is an incredible gift that God's given us. Why? Because those of us who have been able to enjoy love, true love, know what that's like to be able to give it freely. We're far from being robots here. Now, that has, that has the, the sin ramifications of living a, living a life where we choose, chose poorly, but it also has the true gift and, and, and really the, the highest feelings the high, that we could even regard is when, that, is when true love is expressed to us and we're able to give it to someone else. How are we going to choose this week, this day, as we come across those that are within our proximity. I came to Christ, as I mentioned, when I was a senior in high school. A year later, um, I was in love with this girl. Oh, my gosh. She was a Christian. She was beautiful. She was smart. She was all those things. And, and uh, uh, it was a February. I uh, met her at, at the restaurant that she worked at, and she delivered the news that, you know, I think we just would be better being friends. I hope you haven't been there. I'm guessing you probably have. You know, at that, that point, I was a year into my Christian life. She was a Christian. You know, I had our future all written. And, uh, and yet, all of a sudden, there was a great big eraser that came to that book that I had been writing. How was I going to respond to that? 
I responded the only way that those coaches and teachers shared with me as to how to do that were working with me. I went to the library, actually went to a library this time. I, 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 I got a Bible and I got a concordance. And I looked up every, every instance of the word love in the New Testament. And what I, and again, it was his spirit speaking to my spirit. It was, a, it was another conversion experience. So for three hours, I just was, was, was going, tracking through uh, every particular uh, instance of love being used. And what I learned about love is that it's selfless, that God's love is a selfless love. God's love is one that would give, and he did, would give his life up for someone. It's not a love of, of, of self, but it's a love of others. And so, ladies, you'll appreciate this. So I get in the library closed, 9 o'clock. I go back to the restaurant, which was the hangout in my, in my hometown. She was the cashier right, right there, uh, you know, windows all open. And so she sees me get out of the car and come in uh, to, uh, to the restaurant. What do you think she's thinking? Oh, no, what's he going to do? I hope he doesn't make a scene. What's he, you know, how am I going to respond? I walk right in and go, hey, Connie, how you doing? Hope it's a good night. And I walk right by her, and, and I went from booth to booth to booth. Really seeing people in my, that's how I remember it, seeing people for the first time. And not just seeing myself. I was the, I was the guy I was the guy that was mopey and sad so that you'd come over and say, oh, what's wrong? Tell me your story, you know, that kind of thing. But for the first time, I experienced a freedom from that, a freedom from myself, and was able to just go and just see them and listen, almost like it went from black and white to color as to the whole dynamic of, of life together and in community and what we could be. I had a choice that night, how I was going to respond when I, heard, when I got that news. I had a choice as I was reading God's word and his spirit was speaking to my spirit about what it was. I had a choice when I went back to the hangout where I would normally be that night and the way I treated Connie and the way that I, that I was going to respond to everyone else. That's the choice. That's the gift that God has given us to be able to make choices like that and to be able to, to choose wisely and to be able to enjoy the relationships, the, the community, uh, the camaraderie that we're able to have, um, the friendship that we have just reflected it over all of these years is just one small piece of what God has afforded us in so many other lives and all the other people that we've crossed our paths with. So this week, neighborly wisdom for now and for then is do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I pray that your spirit will truly be speaking to our spirit again, and not just today, but throughout this week as an example of what you want all the time for how we're able to change this world and to change it uh, in a way that would be, bring glory to you because we are reflecting who you are with your power, the spirit that you've given within us, to be able to live out the fruit of the spirit, to bring love into someone else's life, to bring joy to bring peace, to bring patience. Father, to, to bring goodness and faithfulness and to be gentle and to, and to demonstrate self-control. Where the world would go one way in instances, Father, we want to go the way you would want it to go. But we can't do it ourselves. So, Father, empower us to do that for your glory and for our enjoyment and for our flourishing. In Jesus' name, amen.